0: I say good morning, I'm a teacher. Good morning. Uh, I thank God for the privilege that the Lord has given me this morning to be with you. I thank God for the newly added to our lives and for having kept us alive. And I thank God for His infinite grace, eternal love, great faithfulness, and abundant goodness. It's a great joy. My heart beats and a red joy as I stand before you this morning. Uh, we had the joy of attending the marriage of uh, Samuel and Christina the other day. And most of us were there. And uh, that was the primary purpose for which we have come down to Delhi. I don't know whether should I come down, come up, because we are the, towards the north of India and we are south. <laughs> so whatever it is. Uh, so we have come to worship the Lord worship occupies the most important place in Christian life. There is nothing greater than worship in Christian life. And in heaven, unfortunately, most of the pastors say, let us pray, but in Telugu, I don't know how English people say it, in Telugu, Paraloka Pratha, heavenly prayer. And there is no prayer in heaven. There is only worship and praise and thanksgiving. So, we have just worshipped the Lord. I, I really thank God for that. Well, we... But let me also uh, introduce myself. Uh, uh, Brother Andrews is closely related to us, and we were classmates in high school. We studied together, we played together. He was a very great kabaddi player, and <laughs> <laughs> he was a great raider. And I was a, a very strong catcher also. There was a tough competition between both of us. As the priest said, well. I, So let us turn our attention to Psalm 16. I thought you would be given uh, notes or at least outline in that paper form, but uh, I don't know. Is it displayed there? Okay. Right. uh, Let me just give the main divisions of Psalm 16. There are three main divisions. uh, From verse 1 to 8. It's the Lord of life. We see the Lord as the Lord of life. And then verses 9 to 10, we see the Lord as the conqueror of death. And the last verse 11, we see the joy of eternity. Our eternal joy is recorded there. Coming down to, let me give you the outlines first. First two verses, They speak of a good relationship that the psalmist has with God. A good relationship. In which again, God is described as his refuge. And he has all goodness in God. There is no greater good apart from God. Verses 3 to 4, he has a good companionship with God. God. He enjoys God's presence and come God as his companion. And wherein we see 3, 4, we see about the excellent people. The psalmist loves his fellow believers, fellow saints, and calls them excellent. In some Bibles it's glorious ones. And then the very next verse says, troubles will be multiplied to those who leave the Lord, multiplied sorrows, that the second Aspect of those three two verses coming down to five and six, a good stewardship. He enjoys a good, He is described as a good steward of the Lord, God, Lord Himself. So he is a good steward, and there is a good stewardship. Number uh, verse five, he enjoy. He describes God as his portion, and the sixth, he describes God as good heritage. He has good heritage in God. Verses 7-8 to we see a good fellowship that he enjoys with his God. He came as a refuge in the first verse and coming down to the 7th he says God is my counsellor. So my counsellor, God becomes his counsellor. As a result he says I am not shaken. I will not be shaken. That's the first part of the Lord of my life, the four subdivisions. Coming to the second part of the message, that is uh, 9, 10 to, 9 to 10 verses, resurrection is done. It's a messianic, one of the messianic psalms, and we find messianic portion there from 9 to 11. In the 9th verse he says, my heart rejoices. In the 10th verse he says, the Holy One suffers no corruption, no decay that refers to Jesus' resurrection. And to the last verse, it talks about the exaltation of the Lord to the Heavenly Father's right hand. We find the first part, fullness of joy in God's presence and eternal pleasures in His right hand. Well, this is the outline of the message. Uh, Let me just give you some of the expert opinions or comments on this verse, on this psalm. It is called the Mictum of David. Mictum of David uh, the word Mictum means secret or mystery it means secret or mystery this is usually mean uh, to mean the golden song appropriate because the matter is as the most affine gold if you closely study it and meditate upon it we find mines of gold there so it's that the, the caption McTurney, is absolutely appropriate. The song of the precious Secret. Ainsworth, a great scholar, he calls it David's Jewel, a notable song. Ainsworth says, not Wordsworth, Ainsworth, David's Jewel, he says. Dr. Hawker said, it is precious, it's golden, it's a jewel indeed. And then coming down, it's a a psalm of surpassing excellence. All the distinguished uh, interpreters of ancient days, like Eusebius, Jerome, Augustine, explain the psalm as referring to Messiah in his passion and his victory over death and the grave, including his subsequent exaltation to the right hand of God. Psalm 16 suggests very strongly that the greatest blessing that a child of God has in in not what he has, in what he is in the company or in the fellowship of God. Taking refuge in God alone is their relationship with God. The Lord is safest refuge. Psalmist says the Lord is his safest refuge, his supreme treasure, his sovereign Lord, and his trusted counselor. I repeat, the psalmist describes and feels himself that the Lord is the safest refuge, his supreme treasure, sovereign Lord, and trusted counselor. The psalm identifies God as the one who creates, supports, and protects life for all those who trust in him. This is a psalm in which the psalmist proclaims the Lord is the authority in his life. The one who gives direction and purpose in his life. The Lord is the source of all life and all goodness. That's what David says. Mecham, a scholar, he says security for the psalmist is not an achievement but a, a result of a life entrusted to Him. Security doesn't come. It's not something to be earned by our efforts, but it comes through the right relationship that we have with God. That's what Mecham says. From the beginning to end, the Psalms testifies to a life that finds its ultimate rest in God's protective presence, but not from the material wealth that we or accomplishments that we acquire, we achieve. Well, this is the um, some of the important points on this uh, wonderful psalm. I would like to just divide the psalm into four parts. As The first part is first verse in which he says, The Lord is his refuge. Keep me safe, O God, for you, in you, I take refuge. Let me just give you some of the blessings. What happens to a person who takes refuge in God? Who decides? So you all know, man, I'm, I'm glad that... Um, Well, I call him brother. in the Lord uh, pastor. (laughs) Uh, Usually, in our churches, we don't call pastors. We are all brothers in the Lord. (laughs) Uh, Okay, brother Michael and I have known him for more than 30 years, and so he has read out some of the portions related related to this particular psalm. So let me give you the blessings what that accrue to us once we take refuge in the Lord. You all know refuge you know, the refugees, one who lose shelter, one who lose the houses, one who lose everything, they run away from the houses, the places, and they run for a, prote- a shelter. So the one who is in danger, one who is passing through troubled waters, hardships, and he looks for a safe place, that's called refuge. And David is a remarkable person. In his life, he repeatedly at every step, at every stop of his life, David took refuge in God. And he boldly, courageously, proudly says, the Lord is my refuge. What are the blessings that we uh, get from him? The first blessing is, we have just, the Lord's name is a strong tower wherein the righteous come and stay there. So the first blessing is, we are safe and secure. There is safety. Listen carefully. There is safety, security, salubrity, serenity, and and sagacity in God's presence. Sagacity means wisdom. You serenity, you, you all know that peace. Salubrity means self. So there is safety, security, salubrity, sanity, or even serenity and sagacity. So how wonderful it is to take refuge in God. That's the first blessing. And Psalm 2 says, "20, Blessed is the one who takes refuge in God. Taking refuge itself is a blessing. And um, in Psalm, in, in other words, in 2nd Chronicles, we, uh, we see that those who take refuge, they will enjoy peace. Peace is the result of taking refuge because God is our Prince of Peace. And then in the second concert again. During the life, Referring to King Asa. He says. When we trust. When we took refuge in the Lord. We prevail over our enemies. Victory comes to those. Who take refuge in the Lord. And. uh, in Psalm 18:10, we have just um, 62, 5, it says The Lord is our hope When we take refuge, He becomes Our hope, and then He becomes our expectation in our lives So these are some of the blessings When we take refuge in God We are absolutely safe, nothing can Touch us, nothing can harm us It's impenetrable, He is Our impenetrable, strong Tower, When we Take refuge in Him The question is have we, do we have the habit of taking refuge in God? Let us check ourselves. The second aspect of my message is blessings of trusting, that is actually given there. Blessings of trusting in God. There are sevenfold blessings when we trust in God. Psalms 21 7 says, When we trust, let me give the three meanings of trust, three connotations, shades of Meaning of the word trust in English language. Number one, cling to, cling to, hugging and embracing. Trust means clinging to or clinging to. Which lady clung to another lady? Ladies, there are two ladies in the Word of God. One lady clung to another lady. Ruth clung to her mother-in-law when she was asked to go. Away, she said, "No, nothing doing." Wherever you go, I will go with you. Your God is my God. Your people are my God. Wherever you are buried, I will be buried. So she clung to her mother-in-law. So trusting in the Lord means clinging to the Lord in ups and downs, in pains and pleasures, in sorrows and joys, in ups and flows, in adversity and prosperity, in health and sickness, and victory and defeat. A true child of God always clings to the Lord. The second meaning of the word trust is Lean on. rely on. Depend on. Shall I ask you ladies, once again, your part. Which lady relied on her beloved passing through the wilderness? Shulamite. Shulamite passing through the wilderness. It's a risky proposition for a woman to go all alone in the wilderness. She realized that. The utter necessity of holding on, leaning upon her beloved. Who was the beloved of Shulamite? King Solomon. King Solomon was the beloved of Shulamite. And Shulamite, she, she just leaned, up, leaned upon her beloved as she was passing through the wilderness. The world is likened to wilderness, Wilderness is full of uh, wild animals and uh, poisonous reptiles and thick bushes, and it's very, very difficult for. So, this world is likened to a wilderness, and we, with all our knowledge, with all our experience, with all our reputation, name and fame, our Uh, At our back, we cannot pass through the wilderness of this world. We need our Savior to lean upon. And then we should learn, Lord, I lean upon you. I I just bank on you. I rest on you, Lord. I I just rely on you. I cannot, with all my rich experience, with all my knowledge, I cannot live all alone. No Christian can live in isolation. However great, however committed he may be, he has to lean on his beloved the Lord Jesus as he passes through. And the third meaning of the word uh, trust is, uh, is hide in. Of course we have already seen that. David always says here I take, I hide in you. So let, let me just rush through the seven blessings of trusting in the Lord. Let us learn to trust in our master but not in our mind, not in our muscles, not in our men, not in our majority, not in our machines but let us not even in the monster, the enemy, but let us learn to trust in our master, the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me rush through the seven blessings. Psalm twenty-one seven says, "The king trusts in the Lord; he will never be shaken." So, if you have trust, if you trust in the Lord, you will never be shaken. You will remain unshaken. That's number one. Same Psalm twenty-two five. They trusted in you. And were not ashamed. What a beautiful verse. If you trust in the Lord, if you cling to Him, if you lean on Him, if you are in Him, dear brothers and sisters, never there will be an occasion where you have to hang your head in shame. You remain unashamed. You remain like a lion living boldly in the world. The third blessing is Psalm 28:7. The psalmist says, The Lord is my strength and my impenetrable shield. My heart trust in Him and I am helped. The third blessing for trust in the Lord is you will be helped. God is your helper. You know Psalm 46, one. God is our refuge and strong tower and He is an ever-present help in our trouble. So the third blessing that comes to you and me, if we learn to trust in the Lord, He will be our our Never leaving and ever present helper or help and helper in our lives. The fourth lesson, Psalm 28, sorry, Proverbs 28, 25. He who puts his trust in the Lord shall be enriched. How many of you don't like to be enriched? May I, can I see one hand at least? Those who never want to be enriched. Either materially, physically, financially, or spiritually. In any way, everybody wants to be enriched. Everybody wants to be prosperous. So those who trust in the Lord, they will be enriched. They will become prosperous. That's the fourth blessing. Proverbs 28, 25. And Proverbs 29, 25 says, Whoever puts his trust in the Lord, he is safe and set on high. If you trust in the Lord, you are safe and you'll set an eye and you'll be exalted in your life. That's the fifth blessing. Sixth blessing is Isaiah 28, 16. Isaiah 28, 16. He who trusts in the Lord will not, will not hasten away in sudden panic. How wonderful it is we pass through a lot of situations where we turn panic. A lot of panic situations that we confront in our lives. But the one who really trusts in the Lord, there is no reason why there should be a panic for him. So there is, he, he does not run away or end sudden panic. There is, you will not face any panic. Any serious situation you can face with a broad smile in the face and then with a great cheer in the heart and you can never, never run away in sudden panic. The last but not the least blessing is in quietness and in in trusting is my strength. That's what Isaiah says. Isaiah chapter 30 verse 15. Isaiah chapter, chapter 30 verse 15 says the Lord becomes my strength when I learn remain calm and quiet. Not unduly disturbed. And if I trust in the Lord, the, blessed, the, the result is I am strengthened. Some, uh, Paul says, I can do everything in whom? Through, uh, what, what, what does it says? Through, Through the one who strengthens me. So the Lord will be our strength. And we have seen in the third uh, verse, uh, the, the deadly consequences for those who Forsake the Lord. Let Let me quickly run through. Uh, If I just give you the positive side of the life, and if if I don't warn you about this negative side, it's not a total lie. So let us. We have seen what are the blessings that accrue when we trust in the Lord, and what are the deadly consequences when we leave the Lord, forsake the Lord, and desert the Lord. Number one, it's Psalm sixteen four. Their sorrows shall be multiplied. Who choose another God, who forsake the Lord, who get away from the Lord, who allow their hearts and minds to turn away from the Lord so they will be cursed. Nobody likes the word curse. We will be cursed if we just allow our heart and mind to turn away from the Lord. So the first consequence is sorrows are not added. Added is not the word. What is the word there? What is the word there? Multiplied 9 plus 9 is 18. 9 into 9 is the reverse of 18. 81. So troubles will be multiplied, not simply added to you, they will be multiplied when you turn away from God. So, the serious warning. And the second consequence is Isaiah 128. They who Forsake the Lord shall be consumed. Nobody likes that word. A strong word. Consumption, consumed. It has two meanings. One is destroyed. Another one is diminished. Either we get spiritually diminished when we turn it, uh, when we run away from the Lord, or we can be, we can become almost spiritually dead. So take care that we don't turn away from the Lord. The third blessing, sorry, the third consequence is Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 5. Yeah, I think I I have given that. Cursed is the man whose heart and mind turn aside from the Lord. So that's Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 5. And fourth consequence is the same Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 13 says, O Lord, hope of Israel. All who forsake you shall be shall be written in the dust, shall be like those whose names are written in the dust. Can you find your name if it is written in the dust? It becomes useless, it becomes anonymous, you become an insignificant person if you if you forsake the Lord. And the fifth warning is Hoshia, chapter 7. Verse 8, where it is recorded about Ephraim. Ephraim mixing himself with the Gentiles. And then what happens? He became a cake not turned. What happens when cake is not turned? Yeah, it gets burnt. It becomes um, uh, bitter and you cannot take. And that will spoil your mouth. That means you become useless or you become a stumbling, stumbling block to the people around. So Ephraim instead of being, do you know the meaning of the word Ephraim? Does anybody know that? Multiply a blessing or increase. Instead of being a blessing to the people around, Ephraim became a source of curse. He was a stumbling block to the people because he left the Lord. The fifth one, oh okay, sixth one, the same, gray hair sprinkled over Ephraim but he did not realize that he had grey hair there were some white hairs on his head but he never realized that he had that is the fate that is the state of the face that is the most dangerous disease that has gripped this Christianity today today. complacency Samson when God had already left him he was under the illusion that God's strength was in him he was trying to just shackle him and just shake himself away from the from the ropes that are built on, from the chains that he was bound with. But he was not able to do that because the Lord had already departed from him. But he was under the illusion that still God was with him. So many a time we feel that we're very coveted Christians, great Christians, and we are traditional Christians. We take pride in so many things, but we don't realize that we have become emaciated, we have become weak. And the reason is our hearts turn away from the Lord. And the last, but not the least, is Ephraim has become the same. Hosea chapter seven verse eleven. Ephraim he became a silly dog. Silly means foolishness. He became foolish because he left the Lord. The Lord is the source of all wisdom and riches in God. When you leave God, who is all the sources of all that all the treasures of riches? Sorry, all the treasures of. God, uh, okay. on the riches of knowledge and uh, wisdom or treasure in Jesus Christ himself. When you leave him, you become foolish. Israel is of the wisest people in the world, but they left him and they became the fools. And after Him, finally, he became a timid dove. He became timid and cowardly and Israelites are the the most courageous people in the world I don't have time to narrate a a wonderful story Entebbe Airport incident does anybody have heard Entebbe Airport in Uganda Entebbe Airport uh, very very uh, unbelievably uh, courageous uh, uh, attempt was made by Israelites uh, uh, and soldiers the people were hosted by the, the extremists and then they came in and disguised and killed them, um, all the extremists, all the hostages, and then they took their people safely. This was done within a few hours. And that was the courage of Israelites. But they became timid and cowardly because they left their uh, God, who is a source called courage. So these are the consequences that we face when we leave the Lord. Finally, just let me finish. Um, the 11th verse, there is a fullness of joy in the presence of God. What a beautiful verse. There is a fullness of joy in the presence of God. Luke 2.10 says, fear not, I have come to declare in the good news of great joy. So, it is a fullness of joy, great joy. And then, talking about Macedonian churches, Paul says, they rejoice. They had a great they they, they rejoice in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of joy was seen in them. Try to understand great affliction, abundance of joy. They don't go together usually. When we are, when we are afflicted, we lose all joy that we have. But Macedonians, the more and more they were afflicted, they suffered, their joy welled up more and more. Apostles, when they were insulted in chapter. Acts chapter 5 verse 41. They went out rejoicing as they were counted worthy to suffer shame and suffering for the name of the Lord. The joy that is available in the presence of God even suffering shame do not take away take, take away from our hearts. That was the experience of Paul. And the apostle Paul says Paul says I rejoice in infirmities in reproaches in persecutions in distresses for Christ's sake. What is your experience, my experience? Do we rejoice? Rejoice in the Lord always. We sing beautiful choruses and song. Do we really rejoice? When something just abuses you? Something for no reason scolds you? When suddenly some illness takes place, do we really rejoice? That's a real Christian line. And Psalm four, fourth verse seven fourth Psalm four verse seven says You have put greater joy in my heart than when their wheat and wine yielded abundantly. When there is an abundant grain and oh, a farmer's joy knows no bounds. But the psalmist says, Lord, you have put a greater joy in my heart than the joy when the people get when their wheat and wine yield abundantly. Do we have this kind of experience? In and downs, pleasures, in pains and pleasures, rejoicing in God. Way back in 1977, God blessed us with a daughter, and he took the daughter within a couple of hours, or a few hours. It was such an excruciatingly painful experience for me and my wife, to lose the first fruit of, uh, first fruit in our lives, but God allowed it. And then God gave us the, 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 the grace to save Thank you, Lord, for giving the chain, and thank you for taking it away. A giver has every right to take it back, and we cannot curse. You are the giver, and we are the recipient. Lord, we cannot curse you, but we thank you, Lord, for giving the chain and taking the chain. A lot of non-Christian, but, but, sorry, uh, ABVP students in my during my 33 years of government experience. I was subjected to a lot of uh, derision, a a lot of uh, booing and all kinds of uh, uh, insults as I stood firmly for Christian convictions and I faced a lot of opposition from different quarters but God gave me the joy the grace to Rejoice in every situation and thank God for everything. God has blessed me with five blessings, listen carefully. I am blessed with diabetes number one hypertension number two Enlargement of prostate gland. Number three, osteoarthritis. Number four, and uh, what, what do you call this? <laughs> what? Do you? Okay. So these are the five blessings that I do have. Even I have left, forgotten them. <laughs> so now every day I'm failing. like thank God, for the Lord, thank you for blessing me with these five blessings. I never use the word diseases. I never use the word. Weaknesses. I never use the word infirmities, but I say blessings. So when you bless the Lord, when you learn to thank the Lord, uh, you can really uh, rejoice in the Lord. What is there in the just let me just one minute. What is there in the presence of not at the fullness of joy, but there's a peace that floods like anywhere in the presence of God? Number one, fullness of joy. Number two, fruit. Peace that floods like a river. Number three, forgiveness is there. Psalm 130 verse 4 says, there is forgiveness with you. And then there is infinite grace in the presence of God. Number five, there is full redemption. Full redemption in the presence of God. And in Psalm 36 it said, there is fountain of life with the Lord. And then there is light with the Lord, not only light with the Lord, the Lord Himself is the light. So these are the seven seven wonderful things that they that there are there in the presence of God. I repeat fullness of joy, peace that floods like a river, forgiveness of sins, infinite grace, full redemption, fountain of life, light with him. So he himself is the light. Well, shall we just before we conclude, shall we examine ourselves thoroughly in the light of God's word this morning? So David started as a, a refugee and ended as a Ayat, heir of God's eternal inheritance. A man who came as a refugee, seeking God's protection, a man who is going back rejoicing in the fullness of God's presence and Remembering God's eternal inheritance, and then setting his mind all the time on the, on the Lord, and he says, "I will not be shaken." Shall we bow heads, dear brothers and sisters? Shall we just examine ourselves for a for a while? Shall we just quieten our hearts, introspect ourselves in the light of God's word? What a remarkable experience! Did had. Coming into the presence of God is a refugee, taking shelter and closing wonderfully the word the Psalm as an aid of eternal inheritance. And experiences of God's presence, safety, security, instruction, counseling, and all these things. What is our experience? Do we we trust in the Lord all the time? If we allow our heart to turn away from the Lord, we have seen seven deadly consequences that we have to confront with. If we take shelter in the Lord, we will be absolutely safe, secure, salubrious, and then we will be serene. And finally, there is fullness of joy. Peace that floods like a river. A lot of blessings are there. Forgiveness of sin is there. Full redemption is there. Grace is there. So let us not trust in our own mind and muscle and matters and men and material and any other thing. Master. But let us learn to trust in the Lord and be blessed and be a channel of blessing to the people around you. Our oh, loving Heavenly Father, gracious God, we thank you for the time that you have given to us. Thank you for keeping your hearts bay in the presence of your word, in the light of your word. Thank you Lord for talking to me and to us. Thank you for sounding a note of warning on one hand. Thank you for also encouraging words, when we take shelter in you, uh, what are the blessings? And when we trust in you, Lord, what will be the life for us? And then if we, if we forsake you, how how distressing, how dangerous our life, lives will be. So keeping these two aspects of life in our mind, Lord, let's let's come into your presence and receive all the blessings that are abundantly available with you, Lord. Lord, we confess many a time, even I and we, God ourselves away from you. We allow our hearts to go away from us, though we feel that we are with you. But the Word of God says, take care that you, nobody has an unbelieving, wicked heart that turns you away from the Lord. So, Lord, help us stay that warning and commit ourselves afresh to you as David did, all the time clinging to you, all the time leaning on you, all the time taking shelter and hiding in you. I pray that these words may be imprinted indelibly upon our hearts by the Holy Spirit and may we submit ourselves totally to you and lead a life that brings glory to you. In turn, we may be a blessing to the people around. Thank you in Jesus' precious name and ours. Amen. Thank you very much. Thank you, Pastor G and everybody. Before we conclude, and uh, Brother Ramandeep wanted to say a few words of testimony. If you can take two minutes, please come.